Welcome to the Arts and Antique Radio Show, where your host, nationally recognized certified appraiser Elizabeth Stewart, Santa Barbara's treasure sleuth, will help you put a value on the treasures in your own home. Every time it rains, it rains pennies from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains pennies from heaven? So let's find out. How valuable is it? Hello, 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 Santa Barbara. It's your Chantress of Everything Valuable and Beautiful, Elizabeth Stewart. And I'm joined by my colleague, John Flandrick, the IT guy from our office, because you'll you'll know why in a few minutes. There's John. Say hi. Say hi, John. Say hi, hi, John. No, no. Say hi to the people, John. Oh, hi, people. <laughs> God. Anyway, so here we are. We are actually talking to somebody who I met who entered our lives as a client, but as you know, you they're at the bottom of emails. There's little things that you know you can find out more about people, and I became fascinated mm. with all the many things that Mark Sylvester does, and it turned. Well, let me just give you a little bit of an overview. First of all, he is responsible many moons ago for developing a technology that uh, well enabled a number of very famous people in movies to win Oscars, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But what's most interesting to me, uh, outside of the fact that he's a master chef, is he has a little thing called 805 Connect. And I've tried to play with it, and I think it's an invaluable resource. And Mark's going to tell us a little bit about that. But just a little bit of um, what Mark is up to. He's a chef, and his food project is called Till We Richard, listen to this, Till We Eat Again. That's his food project. And he has a gentleman's dining club, and he blogs and makes notes about what the guys cook, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that I want to ask about is how you get raw fruit into a cookie, but then that's a, another story. <laughs> and he's the CEO of Intro Networks and then um, an ambassador for 805 Connect, which is an Intro Networks pendulation hanging off of that, ambassador for TEDx Santa Barbara. And they actually did something March 17th of this year at the Narrative Loft. And I want to ask who was speaking and what that was. And then how I know Mark's work is through Wavefront and Wavefront technology. Um, where we'll get into that a little bit, too. Um, so this, these are the things that make Mark Mark in our community today. The cooking, the 805 Connect, the legacy with with technology, of course, and also the TED project that um, I've been, I was a TED speaker Were a couple you? of times, yeah, talking about, um, it actually was, Richard actually saw my dissertation defense, but my dissertation was on um, collectors, connoisseurs, hoarders, and fetishizers, and mm-hmm. the spiral around them mm-hmm. and the inner seas of them. And so that was at a TEDx mm-hmm. that you did that? Mm-hmm. Where? Mm-hmm. It was in Seattle, actually, but oh. my, my really good friend is actually at the University of Washington there. Oh, great. And so I was in like a baby TEDx there. Great. So people can find your TEDx talk because one of the rules of creating a TEDx has to be recorded and then Ted owns that and then it gets published on the TEDx site. 120 videos a day are uploaded to the TEDx YouTube channel. 120 a day. And they're so valuable. They are. I really love them. So tell me, how did you get involved with TEDx? I mean, obviously you have a long history of tech. So I've done done a lot. Uh, I started going to TED 20 years ago. I didn't know they were... 
Yeah, so Ted oh. has been around for 30 years. We had our 30th anniversary last two years ago. And it was a huh. kind of a private community, invite only. You had to write, you, you had to be nominated. Then you had to write a why I should get to come to TED. And once you're in, you're, you're in. And it was in Monterey for years and years and years, started by a guy named Richard Saul Werman. And we would come back from TED and just be excited. And you could imagine what that's like to sit in that room and watch Jill Bolte-Taylor take that brain out on stage near 15 feet away from her. It has uh, just a profound impact on you. And a lot of us lobbied to be able to do a TED-like something in our Mm. hometown. Mm. And that turned into salons, which then turned into TEDx with the idea that People would sit around and watch these videos and then talk about them. That was the original idea. Mm. And it's now, oh, 5,000 TEDx's probably this year. On any Mm. given day, there's eight of them somewhere in the world. And so my wife, Kimberly Weil, and I started uh, with TEDx American Riviera in uh, 2010. We ran that for three years. It is a huge amount of work. And then this year, all the TEDx organizers... Uh, were invited to create a space for the main TED conference to simulcast into your town. Hmm. So we went to the Narrative Loft and we yeah. did a partnership with um, with them. They're, Michelle's fantastic. Hmm. And we invited 100 people. It was free. And we got sponsors to help underwrite lunch and chairs and that kind of thing. And we watched the live feed. So w- what you see in a TED Talk is um, – one that's been from the main stage or whatever, they're very edited down, right? So they're, there's a format to sure. that. Take out all the ums, the ahs, mm-hmm. the dropping, the water bottle, all of that. Everybody got to see kind of free-range TED, was I calling it. And to be able to see them in the context of how a day is curated, what's the arc of the story, What where is Chris taking us, through these various speakers, and how does one lead into the other? Even though they're they're different, mm. there there are there are thematic threads. threads. Mm. Yeah, so that was great. To I've been in the room, but to be able to have a room where people could just sit and have that experience, even though we're watching it on the screen, the in between times the conversations were still just as powerful. You know, it's changed the format of public speaking in Very general. Very much so. And in so far as you know, um, I've been in and out of academia almost all my life. And there was a time in which when you were called to a, uh, a conference of academics, you read a paper. You literally read the paper. You literally read yeah. a paper. So the paper had a little staple on the corner, and, you know, you'd flip it over on the podium. And you, it, people still do this, and it's a sign, actually, one of these subtle, um, I don't know, almost embodied little signals that we give out. So if you are a real academic trained by an older crowd of academics, you use certain words, but you also read a paper. Mm. And that means no eye contact with the audience. Mm. That means eyes to the podium, Mm. and you're reading a paper, and you're flipping the paper. And if you have a joke, the joke is actually an in-joke. Well, it's written into the body of the talk, but it's an in-joke so that it's actually meant to be only understood by maybe 2% of who's sitting there. That maybe, you know, your committee would would have understood for your dissertation, but that would be it. And then the titters of laughter from those people, and that's actually um, solidifying your 
status in as an academic. So that's the reading the paper part, and it's still done. But professors will say, when you speak to, say, our in, in my field, it would be the comparative religion, academics, et cetera. When you speak to these people, make it more like a TED. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, can you imagine a crusty old 80-year-old professor of Hindu philosophy saying, now make it more like a TED? I, I very much can. And in fact, through the work that we did with our speakers here in Santa Barbara, and we brought people in from all over the country. Uh, My wife, Kimberly, runs a site called strategicsamurai.com, and she does, she teaches TEDx speaking. Really? Oh, yeah. So she gets hired by a TEDx, like she did Occidental College. She gets hired by the organizers, and she provides training to all of the speakers. As a TEDx organizer, your goal is to present a, an amazing event and inspire your audience. Hmm. However, you need to be aware that each one of those talks is going to be online. And if you want to move up the food chain in the TEDx world, getting one of your talks onto TED.com as a featured talk of the day is a huge badge. So we're always looking ah. at what is it, you know, what, what is the theme? What, what's the content? What's that signature story like? How do you craft it to be a 9, 12, or 18-minute long talk. What, what it, there's, there's a lot of format to that. And so she, in fact, she's working with a group right now hmm. where she's being brought into the group of uh, healthcare professionals that want to all want to be able to get on the TEDx stage. Sure. So she'll say, these are the kinds of things you do and what you don't do. When you said crusty, I was thinking of one of her people said, why am I even talking to you? I've been public speaking for 40 years. I do not need your help. And he had, of his 18 minutes, 17 minutes was bio, and one minute was content. Uh And that doesn't, it's all about what's your idea worth spreading. Uh And once you're in that world and you're thinking like that, it's hard to not judge everything you do as to an idea worth spreading. What is 805 Connects idea worth spreading? What is my cooking? What, what am I doing? It's really, for me, it's an art project. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, I call it still life with barbecue. Uh, it's what's that idea that I'm committed to and how do I effectively spread that and how do I use an economy of words yes. to get that into a space where I am continuing to engage with that person who's listening to me. That's But you're, you're also training the listener as well in a Very certain much. way of listening, too. Uh, one thing uh, that, Richard, I have to just laugh about, Mark, when he's talking about his art form, barbecue as still life, or nature mort, really nature mort, mm, because if mm, you're barbecuing, mm, that mm. thing's dead anyway. Mm. But he's vegan before cocktails and paleo after. Yes. So I really I thought that was amusing on his cooking site as a true artist. Quite diverse. Quite, Any, well, anything yeah. goes after dark. Well, <laughs> yeah, paleo. So it's a paleo diet, right? So vegan before, yeah. then paleo later. I think it's good. Raw till dinner. Raw till dinner. That's what we say, raw till dinner. And we've been doing that for, for five years now. And do you feel better for it? Lost 50 pounds. <gasps> Uh, I feel fantastic. I've, I I need continuous energy throughout the day, yes. as you read all the things that I do. Yes. So I'm I I can't afford to be down. Yeah. Uh, uh, mentally down, energetically down. 
so the way to do that is, you know, not eat sugar and not eat flour and not eat these things and have, you know, a good diet and good exercise and you get to live, look where we live. So I want to enjoy every minute of that. It, you know, um, Richard, I, I was gone last week. I was visiting my father and he's, you know, getting on in years close to 90 now and lives in a, a sort of a, not the wealthiest area of St. Louis and St. Louis itself is not that wealthy anymore, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And it was so interesting to go back into my Midwestern roots, and I'll describe it like this. It was Coffee Mate. Sure. Yeah. And Start there. You're done. Coffee Mate. We're done. And mm-hmm. then then a little bit of, you know what Pam is, the sure aerosol? Yeah. And in his little tiny house, the Pam, what do you call it, the... um ozone layer was being interrupted oh, in the condo yeah. and i was actually tripping i was like hey pam you know <laughs> like this girl ah. <laughs> so there was that and then it just got progressively worse right. to the point of at um coffee hour it was long johns which are the um donuts that have the custard in there and mm. with the the chocolate on top and they're you know that's the midwestern cuisine yep. and people still do that I don't know how they do, but they do that. Richard's giving us a sign. That's his way of saying we got to go to quick break, Mark. But I want your take on, first of all, I want to talk when we get back from the break about 805 Connect. That's Let's do that. That's super important to me, and I want to know more about it. So we'll back with Mark Sylvester. Who's an, it's an absolute honor to have him here. Once you well, find out you. all the fun things that he's been doing with his life, Richard, you're going to be amazed. And, John, you better say something when we get back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I w- You know, Richard is, you know, talk about people that are trained in elocution and how to use one's voice. Richard's been in radio with like 30 plus. Isn't it 30 plus now? Almost 40. Almost I 40. It. Yeah. And he has his specific annoyances. Like he will say 805, 805. Now, why does that annoy you? Because there is no O in an area code. Mm-hmm. That I knew 805. It. Prove to me there's an O, and I will start saying it that way. <laughs> He's a broadcaster par excellence. <laughs> I'm a pain. Years. I'm a, a real pain, pain. A pain. And so, yeah, so using the voices, it's it's interesting because there's I, – I was listening to a TED Talk where it was a talk about elevator messages, so why should I care in a short time, spirit, period of time, and also how to say your name. And I thought everybody could say their name. But apparently how one says their name sets the stage for a whole series of... You have nine seconds to fascinate someone before they turn you off and move on to something more important. Oh. And they will look at you and feel like they're, you have their attention. But if you're not fascinating, they're going to move on. They'll appear to pay attention. It's important that you earn every minute in every conversation with everything you do. What do you think? Well, I've got some recipe taco questions, but maybe <laughs> maybe we should finish with the 805 before I get to my questions. Okay, so we pros- I want to talk about eight eight zero five. No, well, he's yes, it's eight oh five eight oh five connect. 
it was kind of your brainchild because I saw you present on it. It, um, I think what has evolved to is a, a project that met a need that came up a couple of years ago. Uh, Senator Jackson convened a bunch of people, both um, in Ventura County, Santa Barbara, and in San Luis, to discuss this idea of economic vitality mm-hmm. along the corridor. If we think of 101 as a corridor, what are we doing? There, There's a bunch of educational activity that's happening from Cal Poly down to Cal Lutheran. You've got um, an entrepreneurial community, a startup community. Mm. There's established businesses. There's uh, mm. lots of lots of tech now in Santa Barbara. There's lots of other kinds of businesses. There's lots mm. of ag. There's ag tech, which is interesting. There's bio. There's you go all the way down to Amgen mm. and and all of that. There's mm. a a new incubator just around bio companies, bio focused companies. Very interesting when you start to look at it. No one's really looking at the whole region. You have cities. They look at their world. That's right. Counties look at their world. The politicians look at their jurisdiction. And then there's whole economic substructure. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yet no one – there isn't something that ties the whole region together. Yet economically, we are tied together. And that's kind of what came up. And I rose my hand at the meeting and said – you know, we build these networks. We've been building them for 13 years. We build them for for TED, for building a big network for Hilton right now. We build them for NASA and the White House. And so I'm really interested in the connective tissue between the people, their ideas, their skills, their aspirations. What do they want to do in their life? Which is very informed by my TED DNA. Okay, mm. so all, all of this is is very much informed. When you that say way. informed, it's informed in format or substance or both. In what I think is important about a connection you make with someone, uh-huh. so that I want to know. I, of course, I want to know what you've done and what allows you to. One of my friends says, "What gives you permission to be here?" And so, so we know that. But now I'm really interested. Where are you going? What are you going to do? What, mm. What's what's interesting? What has your attention right now? Mm. And then how might I be able to help or how might you be able to help me? Because it, by collaborating with people, we create new things. Can you give me, Mark, the, maybe the most humble or lowly, lowliest example of such a facilitation of sure. direction? Sure. So we, would you agree that we like to do business with our friends, given a choice? We do, but sometimes it lands us in trouble. Yes. So if you can, if you can separate, keep it, keep the line, which is a little bit blurry. But yeah, I want to, I want to work. We'll with work my on friends. the positive side. And I also, I think we were talking about some. There was a Cheers reference earlier, mm-hmm. and so it's where everybody knows your name. So we're a region of twenty-one small communities knit together by the one hundred and one. So let's not act like we're big cities. We like. Small towns. That's why we live here. Mm-hmm. We yeah, like yeah. going to the hardware store and they know who you are. And I like them knowing what coffee I like to drink. All of those things, we all appreciate that. Yet we don't want to live in the Midwest and get that. We want to live here in, in Southern California and have that. Now, I'm going to do business with a bookkeeper. Let's take bookkeeping, for example. How do I find that person, right? So we have a bookkeeper. We really love our bookkeeping service. They've been fantastic for years and years for us. And I said, 
I'd like to help promote you. And I think you're great for our kind of business, our size of business. And so they came on as a sponsor of the project and became a partner. As a result of that, now I'm their advocate. I provide a concierge service through 805 Connect. And they've actually, she said, got more business as a result of being with us because I really care about, I want you to know Melissa. I want you to know the owner. Once you know the owner, you're going to want to work with her. If we're just shopping on price, get on the Google, mm-hmm. get on Amazon, whatever. Mm. It just I'm just shopping price. But if I want to have a relationship, mm. someone's going to be watching my money. Someone's going to be watching my back in terms of a law firm. Someone cares about my company and where I'm taking my company. That person starts as a vendor, becomes a friend. If it's If it's truly a relationship that you're investing in, if it's a transaction, there's a million places to vet that transaction. Mm, mm. But I build relationships with everybody I meet. And so that's a point of view I have. That informs 805 Connect. And if you think that's important, then you'll join it. It's free. And you'll meet other people. And you'll start to be pretty surprised at the caliber and quality of talent, expertise, and skill set in the region. How is it different from this scenario, Mark? Tell me how it would look. So I'm, I've am i written two books. The second of one, I'm looking for an illustrator. Okay. And I have a dear friend who is a life study professor, teacher. Um, and so she's really familiar with figurative drawing and realistic sure. drawing, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I called, actually emailed her and said, who do you know? Give me the names of three people who do illustrations on the verge of caricature. Okay. Now, how would that look like? What would that look like if I was doing that through a So I would, uh, I would go into the network and I'd look for artists. I'd look for graphic designers. I'd look, I'd, I would look for exactly what you just said. Now, we've got f- almost 1,500 people in there. You may or may not find them, but you can ask me because I can think of three people right now that you should talk to. Think of it as kind of the chambers of commerce are our our partners. But think of this as that's kind of what a chamber would do for you, but you wouldn't really think of finding an artist that way. And you really want to do it as a personal recommendation. So A, that's I that's exactly th- th- my that's point. what you want, yeah, right? Yeah. I, it's that's that small town piece, right? However, I would also say one of the people I interviewed uh, on my show, uh, 805 Conversations, is a book shepherd. Uh-huh. And Gail. What, uh, this is Gail another Kearns, one, Ellen. Yeah. So oh, Ellen, okay. Ellen Reed. And okay. uh, so she she works with people to help them find those kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Now, in this case, I'd love you to find someone here locally that you can go sit, meet. And you know, I love Skype and those kinds of things. But I also love, you know, the three-dimensional relationship we have in the real world. So it's interesting because the the idea of when I when I first came years ago to this community, I did join the chamber, and I thought how interesting it was because the um, the chamber the word chamber comes from the smallest room in the house, yep. and we think of it as the chamber now being sort of this empty, hollow, big space, but it actually comes from the French idea of close proximity. That's where chamber mm. exists, that's what the mm. word means, chambre. So mm. it means being really, so that's why the potty is called the chambre. Mm. So it's small. Mm. And um, I wish we could come back to that. I think our chamber of commerces are kind of going the way of the dinosaur these days. And somehow things like 805 Connect seem to be where it's happening. 
there's um, everything's in transition right now. Every institution mm. has been trans has been changed as a result of our access mobile technology, all of those things, including Chambers. I'm really impressed with what they're doing in Santa Barbara. I mm. had a chance to interview them a couple of weeks ago. Oh, good. We'll see then. I don't know. It's, it's been years since Think I've been in Things are, it's not your dad's chamber anymore. That's great. Yeah. You know, um, do we have time before we go to quick break, Richard? Do we need to go to break now? Because I, I want to bring John in to ask about his taco questions well when we get back we have a master chef here so i think we need to go okay quick break and then back with taco questions from john flandrick (laughs) to mark sylvester don't turn that down Well, welcome back. This is Elizabeth Stewart on the Art and Antiques Radio Show, and this is the arts part of our show because I'm here with Mark Sylvester. And knowing him a little bit, just talking to him, he's quite the masterful presenter of ideas. And I think that's a a terrific gift, and it's an art in itself. But, well, yeah, it's clear. It's very clear. It's an an incredible gift that you have. The other gift that he has is he's a master chef, and here's where my colleague John is all jazz because he likes to cook. And, and um, so at the break, he said he's wanting to ask him some uh, taco questions. Well, today is Taco Tuesday. Oh, it is? Where I look forward to every Tuesday for the potato tacos that I go get. Potato? I, potato tacos. Where do you get them? At, up at uh, Lazy Acres. Okay. And um, they have really great salsa. But, you know, I'm a a fan of tacos. I recently had jackfruit tacos down Mm. in Ojai, Mm. and they were pretty spectacular. Mm. But I'm just curious, you got a taco recipe for us? That's my question. I I, I think what's great about tacos is less is more uh, for me. And um, I'm a big fan of, well, we talked earlier about raw food and cooked food and and all of that. So for those who think I'm going to give a vegan recipe, it's not. I I love carnitas. I'm a huge fan of carnitas. I think this town does some spectacular carnitas. Uh, if I were going to go have tacos, I would, well, I'd either go to Lily's, which I think does a fantastic job at the end of uh, Chapala Street, mm, or I would yeah. go to Lito's and have their carnitas, which I think is the best. But we've got Fiesta coming up, and there's going to chance to kind of taste tacos all over. Um, I love um, handmade tortillas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a huge difference right there because I I'm also kind of uh, I'm very fastidious about my ingredients, so I would rather make my own in in every case. So it's just so I know what's in it. Do you know how to tell the difference between a handmade and not a handmade tortilla? I'm sure you're going to tell by me. By looking at it? By, not just by, by tasting by, it? By just looking, by looking at it? Yeah, I would say that there's just – there is an irregularity to it that is – that would be the number one thing. Irregular both in the diameter and irregular in the thickness. Even if I use a press, there's no way – I'm going to get a better clue if I have two of them next to one another. The third way is because you will see the little round – slightly burned marks where the bubbles 
popped right. up on the grill. My grandmother had one of these wood-fired mm, cast, mm, uh, mm, steel mm. fire tops, uh, and then she made them outside. And that's, I mean, that's how you know. We just did oh. a gentleman's dining club where we uh, explored Indian cuisine, Ooh. and I wanted to do naan. And, oh, please do. And, <laughs> and we did that. And to, to your point, those, those bubbles that rise up from the yeast and, and kind of char real nicely. So oh. the, the taco recipe is I tend to not eat onions. So I like, uh, unless maybe a little green garlic from the farmer's market mm. might be good in there. Um, making your own salsa or I think Santa Barbara Salsa Company has oh, got yeah. They're, several they're really, really good ones. Mm. It's like, where are you going to spend your time? Where right. can you add the yeah, most yeah. value when you're cooking? I think with um, with that, it's going to be in the protein. Uh, I'm also uh, been working with sous vide for the last uh, year. Sous vide is um, a style of cooking where you take the food. Sous vide is, means under pressure uh, mm. or in a vacuum. So you put the food in a, a plastic bag seasoned. And then you seal, take all the air out of that, and you put it in a water bath with a controlled temperature. There's a device that you can get that will keep it at a low temperature over a long period of time. So, for instance, I'll take a piece of pork and I'll put it in sous vide in a bag and I'll cook it for, oh, 24 to 36 hours at about 132 degrees, 137 degrees, hmm. and then take it out. And then I can take and sear and dice and cook. And it is perfect temperature throughout the whole thing. So when you roast, you get um, burned on the outside. It's You have to cook it four or 500 degrees to get something really hot when I really only want it to be 140 degrees. So why don't you just cook it at 140 degrees for a long enough time until it's cooked? I think one of the most amazing things to me about, especially watching the cooking shows on TV, mm. and I don't care. I, we found a new one called um, Brunch with Bob, okay, which is very unique. And it's, I mean, he just he's doing all kinds of different things. Is how you come up with the diverse combinations. And I think one of the things that, uh, like Gordon Ramsay has said, is keep it simple. Yep. There are a lot of people just like to throw all kinds of stuff, thinking they're being creative yes. and putting 75 different ingredients in, and everything gets lost. Whereas two, three ingredients, boom, and you've got something that really stands out. You're, um, that, I mean, that's exactly what I – that's my philosophy. That's how I – that's what I teach. That's what I espouse is what's the least amount I can do to this thing I mean, a great lunch for me is right now it's avocado season here. Uh, an avocado with a Myers lemon and some sea salt. I'm done. I mean, that that that's I'm with pretty you. simple and pretty easy. <laughs> and what I teach the guys is, oh, so let's let's bring it to art for a second. So if we look at Picasso and we look at how much in his early work it was all very very formal, and we look at his later work and it's all representational. And I'm not an art historian or person at all so I may be completely glossing it over but I think I know if, where you're going I think. if you if you have a classic background and you learn the right way to do things you can then start removing things from that and it's it's the ability to know how much I can remove and still leave the essence there so true and, and can I get it's it's the poetry of it right poetry we had a, a TEDx speaker um, Chris Orwig who talked about the poetry of photography and how through a picture I distill something that's happening down to its least number of elements to evoke a feeling. 
So the same thing with food. And that's where I've been playing with photography and blogging and writing because I think if I can take a picture of that dish I created and it evokes usually I want to eat that or more importantly, I would like to make that, uh, then, then I've done what I set out to do in that piece of art, right, which is really a plate. We were having a discussion about this this weekend. We went to the Laguna Pageant of the Masters. And we're talking about art and some art friends. And uh, this idea of creating, you know, and, and is there some pain? Is there some drama? Is there some exposure? What are all the things we do to create as opposed to just mass reproduce things? And I said, you know the thing? I'd love to be a potter, but I wouldn't really want a bunch of pots. Mm-hmm. Okay? But I'd, I'd like that act of creating. Mm-hmm. So with cooking – uh, for me, I'm creating something, and then we eat it, and it's gone. And I have pictures, and I, for me, it's perfect because <laughs> I can walk in, and I know I've got these three or four raw ingredients, and the spirit will inspire me in some way or another to paint the plate in a way that you – In remember we talked about nine seconds. That nine seconds, you look and said – Oh my gosh, that's I got spectacular! Yeah. Well, it's 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 fascinating. I'm always fascinated with choice of words, and you used um, the 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 term uh, when you're talking about photography, and that it's it is stripped in a minimalist way down to certain bare essential pieces of, and then you use the word composition. And yep. to compose a dinner is the yes. same. It's so exactly the idea the of compose to compose means actually to to and you say, are you composed? Are you quiet? Are you at ease? Are you simple? Yes. And that's what composition, that's the exactly. root word, you know, instead of going back to the Latin, whatever. But it's it, what I find fascinating is also, I didn't know that in cooking, of course, I'm not a good cook, but I didn't know that in cooking to actually use the classics as you would, if you were an art student, studying life drawing first, then in composition, advanced composition, color, harmony, so you learn all the classics. And all the classic ways of teaching. And then if you are so talented that you know what to throw out, you can then start to throw out. You can't throw out before you amass. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you're say, he's saying the same thing with cooking. It's the same thing as to know it. Everything's the same as everything else, right? I mean, it really is. Um, I would have people say, oh, I've got this new idea for a cookie. And I said, great, as long as it looks and tastes like a chocolate chip cookie. You're good. You'll be fine. <laughs> I don't care what you do because everybody's going to judge that cookie on their favorite, which is a chocolate chip. We have to go to another break. But, you know, John, I want you to ask now because you're just like sitting there. I think I can see the steam rising from that. I was just curly sitting here hair. comparing Picasso to potato tacos. Well, if there's actually good comp- there's compositionally a lot in common because it's all about line. Right? It's all about line. That's a, a linear kind of food, isn't it? There's not much to it except the line, right? There's not a huge amount of... But he, Picasso's master of the line, and so is the taco. So there you go. There you go. Don't That's turn deep. that down. It is deep. <laughs> we'll be back with Mark Sylvester, who is an honor to join us today. Oh, thank you. Back with Mark Sylvester. Um, quite 
quite the Renaissance man here, and we are getting into some of the things that Richard's going, yes, he is. One oh, things yeah. that he does, he does master chef and all kinds of tech things and responsible for our TED ambassador for the American Riviera and 805 Connect, which is an incredible resource. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, just intriguing to death how this came out of your mind. One thing you said before we went to the break that a friend came to you and said, I, I, I want to develop a new cookie. And you said to him, as long as it looks, tastes, and acts like a chocolate chip cookie, I'm good. Tell us about this on your site, which is, of course, um, Till We Eat Again, Yep. raw apple pear cookies. Oh, man, those are so good. What are they? Well, we have so much great fruit here, and right now it's you know, we have all the stone fruits out, and so I've been playing with um, taking those fruits, mixing them with um, you know, things like flax and various like oatmeal, raw oatmeal, and then figuring out what kind of binding agents you can put to hold them together. And I'm not going to bake them, right? So I I cook them by dehydrating them, and that's uh, and, and what happens huh. is the um, take a look, John. I saw the yeah. recipe for that. Yeah, yeah okay. they yeah. The, the the dehydration is is much like we were talking about how we uh, distill something down. We take a book and distill it down to a poem. So the same thing happens in dehydrating. Hmm. So this last weekend, um, I shop at Tri County Produce, and I found a bunch of plantains. They were overripe for plantains, and I said, you know what? I bet you I could take and. Um, slice those, put them in the dehydrator, sprinkle a little powdered ginger that I make myself on them. And what happens is it concentrates the flavor by removing the water. Yeah. And they're absolutely delicious. So it's the same kind of thing. So I'm, I'm constantly playing with that. Right now I'm very interested in the farmer's market with their figs. Figs are only around for a couple of weeks. So what are we going to do with the figs? That's one. And then two is mussels, mussels from Hope Ranch. So I'm very excited about that. I saw that on your blog that you were doing a, a sort of homage to Julia Child and much, doing yeah. a, doing a gentleman's. Yeah. When you get together, do is it is it like women getting together to cook? Do you talk about men getting together to cook? Do you talk about females or do you that's talk a about guy food? thing? So I'm not sure I can. You can say. divulge this on the now, air. See, I do raw food workshops, which are mostly women, and then I've got the gentleman's dining club. The women talk the whole time and enjoy the butterfly nature of being a woman. And the guys are goal-oriented, let's get this deal done. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's hysterical. Even down to the way that people cook. Oh, that's hysterical. um, Why should we change? No, we don't. Goal-orientated versus butterfly. That's amazing. So I write a book. So I decide what we're doing. So like this coming this month uh, in August, we're going to do New Orleans. So I'll I'll spend – for me, it's an adventure, right? So I will spend three weeks researching New Orleans cuisine. I'll pick – it's five dishes with five ingredients with five steps. That's my goal to try to get to that. Five dishes, five ingredients, five steps. The, the guys can remember that. And fifth horse in the fifth race always did well. For <laughs> Perfect. Then I actually I write a shopping list because they've not really done that. Like how do I figure out where's the best place to buy something? Then I do one of the biggest challenges in cooking is the pr- preparation and production. So I know we want to eat at 6. So I'm going to work mm. backwards from 6 mm. to say what do we need to do at what time? So I, I make – that list, and that's part of the 
the teaching. So they get that. And then one of my guys has, has done very, very well, and he's now my sous chef. So his job is to keep us on time. So for me, it's it, there's choreography. There's a bit of a dance involved. Flow there's chart. There's all, all – it touches so many different things. And at the very end, it's how do we plate and then present. So I'm teaching all of those things because at the end, it doesn't matter how much work we did. It doesn't look fantastic. And that first I was bite – yes. If it doesn't – if that first bite doesn't uh, fascinate you, then eh, – why did I spend a month trying to figure out that we're going to do this jambalaya recipe from the commander's palace or not if we didn't execute all along the way? So that's a very guy thing to think of it that way. I, yeah, I was, a, I was about to say, when I think of the most memorable meal I ever had, I don't necessarily remember the courses. I remember there was langoustine involved. It was in Denmark. But what I do remember was where it was and the sure. color of the light yeah. and the time and of day. And how you felt. How I felt. And also the the, the temperature and yeah. the, the feel of the We're air. We're all like that. Are we? And so the guys get to invite uh, a guest uh, at 6 o'clock to join us for dinner. And, and I asked one of the and, – and we do a little recap. Like what did we learn, right? Because that's part of it is the evaluation. What did I learn? And the, one of the gals said uh, – I learned guys can cook. I was like, great, there you go. Ah, do you cook, Richard? Uh, occasionally and usually just I'm Rita probably cooks. She does most yeah, of the cooking. Yeah. She's fantastic at it. And she loves to do it. But I like the fact that what you've done is you've written the, uh, the cookbook in the context of a guy not trying to get the guy to understand how to cook another way, but incorporating yeah, life how, skills. how a guy mm-hmm. thinks. Yeah. Right, exactly. I, you know, it's like exactly. it's like when I heard all the criticisms of Tim Allen and all his, you know, uh, you know, men are pigs kind of thing and that whole routine. And I'm thinking he used to get criticized because he was anti-woman. He wasn't. It's that the guys need to be guys sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's what I love about exactly. what you're talking about. That's very exactly. cool. Oh golly, that's something else. It's it's it, it, it to me, you know, uh, having uh, my brother lives in Europe and he um has very fond memories of us trying to find the best bistro in Paris and sure. and I decided what it was and then we went back years later and et cetera, et cetera. and the, all the top chefs are men anyway. But I'm not sure why. But maybe that has something to do with what Richard's saying. Maybe it's a goal-setting thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in Europe, anyway, I don't know. Of course, we've got Julia Childs right in our backyard here. (laughs) Mark Sylvester is here with us at the Art and Antiques radio show. Just there's too much to talk about in his fascinating life and all the things that seem to be connected in his worldview. It's pretty amazing. And um, back when we get back, I want to talk very, very quickly about some of the Oscar awards that his company were part of and... Then we're going to say goodbye to this fascinating individual. Don't turn that down. Welcome back to the Art and Antiques radio program. And you know what's so cool is when you get a, um, a guest on, on the air with you that actually has a Wikipedia whole five-page yada-yada about him. And this is what, yeah, Mark has a, a, his business, Wavefront Technologies. Just long story short, the Academy Awards 
wonder if you talk a little bit about that experience and how that felt. And it, it gets back to cooking <laughs> and art, um, <laughs> a, as it turns out. But uh, back in 1984, I had been chefing for the Jesuits in Montecito at their big retreat on Ladera Lane and took a, a university extension class on computer graphics. The guy who taught Tron, who did Tron, one of the guys, um, did a class down in L.A. And I went down and spent the day and I came back and I fell in love with this ability to create virtual realities, if you will. And that led us to, I wanted to find software and hardware. There wasn't any. So we started a company here in Santa Barbara. We were the first to do that. And we got recognized for that through scientific and technical achievement awards, which is what the Academy gives to the people who uh, invent the lenses and the cameras and in our case, the software. And the Academy Award for best visual effects for the last 20 years has gone to a film that was created with software done here in Santa Barbara. Wow. So it's, it, and that extends over to industrial design awards, hmm. extends over to game awards, the top games, uh, all done with Wavefront software. And that, that's his company, Richard. Yeah. And we were, um, we were down on Chapala street and, uh, you know, had lots of people through the company that now we were their first job. The, the guy who, uh, one of the guys at Pixar, Bob Peterson, we were his first job. <laughs> and he now, we, we see the names and lights and the credits, and we, we're cheering uh, those people who are alumni of Wavefront. You know, yeah. just very quickly, what actually egged me on to actually get bold enough to ask you to come on the program, Mark, was uh, my understanding of, of Gestalt, which is that until um, one can actually understand two-dimensional painting and see it as three-dimension, one has to experience the understanding of what two dimensions are mm, and translate mm, it in mm. your mind. So your eyes don't see it before your mind actually learns mm, it. Mm, and mm. that's the theory of Gestalt. I love that. Which actually seemed to be sort of a common theme Perfect. that you and I have with all of our Perfect. little... Mark, so cool that you're here and um, can't wait to talk to you more. Hope you come back. I'd look forward to it. <laughs>